0: Happy birthday! You didn't know it was your birthday? (laughs) It's not. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe there's someone it's your birthday. It's our birthday. We share a birthday. You didn't know that. We share lots of birthdays. Like the 4th of July. Oh, that kind of birthday. I know, yeah, that kind of birthday. Yeah, but this is a much more important birthday. It's the birthday of the church. So, happy birthday, church. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? God had instructed in the Old Testament the Jews to celebrate three major feasts every year. Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, which was four months after Pentecost. Passover was the anniversary of the Exodus, the birthing of Israel. Now there was a lot leading up to this event, the development in the womb. That's when they were in the land of Egypt, right? The uncomfortable time near term, <laughs> they became slaves rather than the more favored foreign nationals that they had had a status as. It got so bad at the end that the work they were forced to do, the making bricks, was made much worse in that they were required to attain all their own materials while not reducing their production schedule. Then you have the ten birth contractions. The ten plagues. Sorry. (laughs) And finally, the baby's born, the exodus from Egypt, right? Okay, do you remember when the umbilical cord was cut? Yeah, that'd be the Red Sea. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Come on, we got to have some fun here. The last feast, that the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths, celebrated God's care of Israel during the wilderness wanderings. It's childhood, if you will. During this celebration, the Jews of Jesus' time were all supposed to leave the comfort of their homes and live in tents, tabernacles, sometimes called booths, and talk about how it was back then. That's what they were supposed to do. But in between these two celebrations was the Feast of Pentecost. Pentecost was the anniversary of the giving of the law, the formal start of the nation Israel kind of its coming of age, that time when they begin to live as God's people, sort of like the time when these United States actually formed their constitution rather than the event back on July 4th where we simply declared our intentions. Jesus was sacrificed during Passover and rose from the dead on the Lord's Day in the midst of the Passover celebration. You may be familiar with all the turmoil that surrounded that time and the great pains that accompanied the birth of this new age, this age of grace, the age where the church, not Israel, carries out the work of God. And like Israel didn't really become a nation until it got its marching orders, the law, so the church didn't become the people of God in action until that first Pentecost after Jesus ascended. As a nation, we, the United States of America, celebrate July the 4th because, well, it really is the birth of the idea of individual freedom over government tyranny. The political age in which our country has lived for more than two centuries. But our real birthday as a nation takes place with the formation of our Constitution. Anybody know the date? September 17, 1787 is the day our union was actually birthed. Most folks don't even seem to know that our real birthday as a nation was anything but the 4th of July. (laughs) I had to look up the date myself. I couldn't remember. (laughs) So... So I'm not terribly disappointed that none of you remembered today was our birthday as the church. And a little confession here, I couldn't remember the date. (laughs) I had to look it up myself. But today is our birthday. But unlike those other times, all the ones we've been talking about, the beginning of the church didn't come with new laws. No, it was the coming of the Spirit. Fifty days after Passover the day after seven sevens, during which Christ was crucified, it was only ten days after His ascension. Only ten days. That's when God set all this in motion. And it was God the Holy Spirit. It's His time. And how will He show that He is here to these Jews and believing Gentiles? These people who will be the beginning of the church. The church that will swell to fill the whole earth. In between Passover and Pentecost, Jesus' resurrection and his return to the Father, he taught the disciples many things. Here's one thing he told them. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait For the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, we've already read what happened. What we need to recognize here is that Jesus sees the Holy Spirit as, well, spirit. (laughs) Can we make that kind of clear? Sensory experience, physical things, completely unnecessary to him. He sees far beyond such demonstrations. The physical phenomenon was for the benefit of the humans. In particular, those Jews and proselytes to Judaism who were dwelling in Jerusalem. So how will he say to them, I'm here! (laughs) With wind and fire and tongues. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. A wind. The word can also mean spirit or breath in Greek and, curiously, the same three in Hebrew. How would a Jew of that time or someone who believed God through the teaching of Moses understand a sound like a mighty rushing wind? First, they would understand that wind announces God's presence. To Elijah, God said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Okay? The Lord is here. Wind was used to demonstrate God's power. Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in His fists? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name, if you know? All Jews had heard these sayings. And those who knew the name of his son had even more insight. And he awoke and rebuked the wind. And said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So we need to ask ourselves, why did the Holy Spirit, who has no need for such things, (laughs) choose to use the sound like a rushing mighty wind this way? Just to announce His presence? Why was that important? Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. What a setup. <laughs> you talk about great pre-event advertising. Right? It does, doesn't get better than this. The Holy Spirit drew others to the disciples so that they could tell them the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. But once again, the followers of Jesus had more insight. He had told Nicodemus, "...truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes." So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. There is a close association with wind and the giving of life by the Spirit. Way back when, Ezekiel had a vision and he said, The the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. This is a picture of Israel and its spiritual deadness. But God had a plan. Remember, as we read this, breath, wind, and spirit, all the same word in Hebrew and Greek. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. Just as God breathed life into the first man, and he became a living creature, so the Spirit, in the age of grace, breathes spiritual life into all who will believe. And when he first did that, he used another sign, fire. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. When I was growing up, I heard something that you may have that these people were baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire He always had to go falsetto on the fire, I'm not sure why, but it was fire. (laughs) Okay. Let's be real clear, that's not what's going on here. Okay, just (laughs) there are three different ways fire is used in Scripture as a sign of God's presence, illustrating purification or relating to punishment. Many people mistakenly see this image of fire that the Holy Spirit gave that Pentecost as a promise of a second blessing for believers. And they tend to point to something John the Baptist said. John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. But actually, in this context, fire is used as a sign of punishment. Look at what John said before this. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Clearly, he is saying, if you are serious about what you say you believe, then live it. Because those who don't, well... Right after he said he will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire, he said of Jesus, His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. No Jew would have missed what John meant. Serve God or spend eternity in hell. Well, that cannot be (laughs) what the Holy Spirit was trying to say with this flame thing on Pentecost, right? I mean, It can't be. How about the next way the Scripture uses the imagery of fire? Fire as a means of purification. God said through Zechariah that two-thirds of Israel would be cut off and perish, but one-third would be left alive. And I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refines silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people and they will say the Lord is my God. Later, Paul will use similar imagery about Christians at the end of the age. Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. So clearly these Jews would have understood that fire leads to purification. Would they think this is what the divided tongues as a fire would mean? Well, maybe But it's more likely that the Spirit was here using fire as a sign of the presence of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why, the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that, he turned aside to see. God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Fire shows where God is and where God is, is holy. (laughs) And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. Every Jew rehearsed, this story every Passover and every Pentecost and every tabernacle. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of all the people of Israel. They knew that fire meant God is here. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and fire was in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. But... We have here something in Pentecost that was never seen before. The individual gift of the Holy Spirit and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. The tongues as a fire divided and rested on each one. Now surely it was too much for their minds (laughs) to absorb and recall then, but later they would remember what Jeremiah recorded. One day, God would present Himself and His instructions in living not just as words on a paper. Before that first Pentecost Sunday, only selected people were given God's Spirit and then only at certain times. Back then, it was the temple, the tabernacle, that was filled with the presence of God. Now, each believer would have the Spirit within them. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? And he said, I will remember their sin no more. Please note that the giving of the Spirit is tied to the forgiveness of sins. Those ancient Israelites were afraid of the fire terrified of the presence of God. Why? Because they knew they were unclean. How can one stand in the presence of God when sin stains our entire being? Grace. (laughs) God's forgiveness, completely unmerited on our part of our sins, through the sacrifice of Jesus, breathed into our very soul's by the person of the Spirit. We can only be in God's presence because Jesus took our sins and the Spirit enters us as His temple. Remember that we said the very first human being became a living creature when the Spirit breathed life into him? The first human uh, also was the first to reject God, <laughs> to sin. And every unborn child died at that moment. God pronounced the doom, the curse of sin. And now, there is a reversal of this curse. Not just that we can be forgiven our sins, as we now are, but that our very nature will one day be changed such that we, as our ultimate parents could, We'll walk with God. And that leads us to the last sign the Holy Spirit gave on that day of the church's birth. Tongues. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Well, first, what are tongues? Well, simply languages. Actual dialects that people spoke. The multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Now, everyone was bilingual then. Okay, virtually every human being on the planet could speak more than one language. Everybody, well most of the world's like that today, they would have understood if the believers had spoken Greek. They'd all known, they'd all understood what they were saying. So, what was the Holy Spirit's purpose in having them speak the native languages of those people? But Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. It was specifically a sign. We have a message from God. Okay, That's, that's the point. There are only two other occurrences in all of Acts where speaking in tongues is specifically mentioned. We believe there is a fourth time where it's alluded to. In every one of those cases, it is specifically said to be assigned from God to the believing Jews. Every time. Interesting, isn't it? When a group of Gentile believers, Gentiles believed and spoke in tongues, the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Why are there different languages? Anyway, why, why are there different languages? The Holy Spirit moved Moses to write in early history of humanity on this planet. And in the words he inspired, we discovered that all humanity at one time spoke the same language. Everybody did. They decided to defy God and build a huge tower at at a place called Babel to keep everyone together instead of spreading out across the earth as God had said. So God himself came down and split them up with different languages. Uh, The big bosses, you know, they could no longer tell the rest of the people what to do, so people began to fight and most everybody hightailed it out of there, right? They spread out across the earth as God wanted. The separation of people necessary for God's plan begin to occur. Was this day of the birth of the church also the beginning of the reverse of the curse at Babel? Hmm. Or is it maybe something better? What was John the Baptist's announcement? I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. fire. Why is tongues a sign? Why does it come after the wind and the fire proclaiming God's presence? Well, why did John talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit? Because after he said, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? Who is it that is asked this question? Well, on Pentecost, it was the church. We are to bear fruits in keeping with repentance. The Holy Spirit will bring people to us and it's our job, to use language, to tell them the good news. This is the birthday of the church. Everything changed then. Understand, everything changed on that day. No longer are only some people given the Spirit, some of the time. All who give their lives to God have the Spirit all the time. There's no point in going to Jerusalem to see the temple filled with the Spirit of God. Every believer is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So let's consider these questions. The first, are you a temple of the Holy Spirit? Have you believed in your heart that Christ is raised from the dead? This is what we need to ask people. If not, why not? Why aren't you? Why don't you believe? Why not today? <laughs> if you talk to someone today, you could say, make today, Sunday, May 19, 2013, your spiritual birthday kind of fun to share the birthday of the church with with everybody <laughs> but if we are a temple of the holy spirit have we told someone about it have we used the tongue he gave us <laughs> have we borne fruit in keeping with repentance have we given our lives so completely to the spirit that he has filled us to overflowing it's the same question <laughs> Has anyone ever felt God's love so strongly in you that they had to ask about it? Will we seek this day to give all our life to the Holy Spirit's control? And will we strive to do so each day? Wind, fire, and tongues. You know, what a dramatic day of birth. The day we were born... Trust me, our moms believed it was pretty dramatic. <laughs> okay, a one-time event. But spiritual birth for each individual person is also a one-time event. It should change our lives dramatically. Birthdays are a good day to look over our lives, past, present, and future. I usually do. I usually laugh at myself from ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how. Silly we can be. But would it not be wonderful if devout people from every nation under heaven came together to us and asked, What does this all mean? What shall we do? Would it not be great if we could speak to them like Peter, Save yourselves from this crooked generation! And maybe, just maybe, they will receive our word and become temples of the Holy Spirit themselves. Maybe 3,000 souls could be added to the kingdom in one day. Wouldn't that be fun? Or just one. I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents, Jesus said. For the Spirit that day breathes life into him or her and burrs them into the church. The wind blows. The fire glows. Their spirit is alive forevermore. Let's pray. Father, in some ways we kind of wish we were there. (laughs) It would have been so fun to see what You were doing on that day. But You didn't make us for that day. You made us for today. Today is our day. Today is the day when we should have the Spirit in us so that people come to us and ask, what does it mean? What's all this? What's going on? Help us to live our lives in such a way that people will ask us why we live the lives we live. Help us to live solely for You, turning our own lives over to your Spirit, living so thoroughly close to Him that we don't want no other way to live. That He helps us to live as we should. And that one day, maybe, maybe tomorrow, maybe today, I don't know, maybe a thousand years from now, who knows, but there will be a day when you will change us. Not just cleaning up our spirits, by giving us whole new, pure and perfect bodies. And that day, we will truly be perfect. I don't know if you're going to use wind and fire and tongues back then. Probably not. Sounds like you have something much better in plan. But we want to be a part of it. Help us to live today knowing that we will be aiming always towards what You have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.